0: Genesis 17. We want to pick up where we left off. Um, so I'll pick up where we where, where we left off last, um, and um, chances are I'll repeat some of what Danny has had said. Um, but we're going to run through the first part pretty pretty quickly. Um, I got to grab. Uh, just a reminder, I had to remind myself. i I didn't think about you guys hardly at all last week. It was just... We had, like, no cell service in the cabin. Whatever you... If next vacation you go on, go somewhere where AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile haven't found yet. You need to go there. We've done that twice since we've been in Frankfurt, and both have just been a blessing. One was at Clear Creek Bible College. So go, go down to Pineville and uh, and lose your ability to use your phone. But we saw... Here we go. Uh, starts out new surname, right? Abram changed to Abraham. Uh, a new sign, right? Circumcision, uh, and, and we'll see that here. And what we're seeing here at the end is a new son. I have to show that to you because all my preaching professors require us to alliterate everything. So there you go. A new surname, a new sign, and here we, we get the promise of a new son. Isaac isn't born yet, but this is the first time he is referenced by name. Uh, in the biblical narrative and it is quite significant so let's start um, let's start in verse 15 um, It says and God said to Abraham as for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name I will bless her and moreover I will give you a son by her I will bless her and she shall become nations kings of people shall come from her now, we saw earlier that Abraham gets a new name. Now we see that Sarah gets a new name. And I think this is what, what Danny talked about a few weeks ago, so I don't want to belabor the point. Um, what is striking, and maybe Danny has an answer to this Sarai and Sarah mean the same thing princess. Um, in fact, the, the male, uh, the masculine of this word is used later in context of Ishmael with prince. But this, of course, is the feminine. Danny, you got any insight as to why the name change, spelling change? You know, Serai means my princess. It's more of a personal okay. uh, name that, you know, once uh, you uh, name them, like I've never called Susie my princess or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sarah means a princess. It's a mm. positional one. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah, that's real good. Real good. Um, one thing I, I want to point out there... Um, Um, is twice it says I will bless her now I don't think our translations and you can correct me if I'm wrong uh, I didn't I only looked it up in ESV mine says I will bless her or I'll give her a son I will bless her is that what you all have The, the, the direct object is Sarah okay uh, from one commentary I read suggested that there have been some translations throughout history that tried to attach the second blessing to Ishmael. So, so, th- so I didn't take the time looking at all your translations, um, but it's pretty clear in the ESV. So I assumed it was the same in yours. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I wouldn't think King James would do that. King James is pretty word for word. But um, I just thought that that's something pointed out. Remember that in Hebrew, repetition is emphasis. So what we are to get here with the name change is, is, is in the context of a blessing. And, and this is important in, in the biblical narrative. That the promises made to Abraham were promises made to Sarah, which reminds us of the one flesh relationship. What God is not doing is pulling Abraham aside, pulling him out of his marriage and saying, by the way, this is between you and me and no one else. But rather, in blessing Abraham, he is blessing Abraham and Sarah. And that is why in chapter 16, where you have um, the Hagar-Ishmael narrative, that's why that's such a big issue. Yes, uh, Abraham ends up having a son, but the promise was made to Abraham and his household, which is Abraham and Sarah. So the promises made to Abraham are repeated here to Sarah. That you will be the mother of, of kings and nations will come from you. Which I, I did thought it was interesting. Her name is Princess, who is the mother of kings. Uh, do that with whatever you want. In verse 17, I think is a real mystery here. And again, maybe, Danny, you have some answers here for me. When Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? Now, Chess and I, we've all had that moment, right, where we think someone who says something outlandish, we assume they're making a joke or they're not serious, only to discover they were serious. Um, I was watching Mission Impossible recently. Since I come back from vacation, I'm watching guy movies. Just give me a week and I'll get over it. And, and in Mission Impossible, um, uh, the, the, the Tom Cruise's character says, we've got to break into the Kremlin. And Benji, who, who's the comic relief of, of all the movies, he he starts laughing. He said, "I thought you said we got to break into the Kremlin. <laughs> well, you were serious, right? You know, we can't break into the Kremlin. What are you talking, right? And you know, and, and that, that's a, that's one way of reading this is 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 he's, he's like, I thought you said we're gonna we're gonna have kids, right? I'm hundred and and she she's ninety. Well." one of the things to note is, is that Abraham isn't the only one to laugh in this context. In the next chapter, we'll see, maybe next week or in four weeks from now, at the rate that we've been going, Sarah laughs. So Sarah laughs to herself, much the same way that Abraham laughed to himself. After I am worn out and my Lord is oh, shall I have pleasure? Shall I have, have a boy? Right? The promise is made to her again, and she responds by laughing to herself. Now, what is different between Abraham laughing and Sarah laughing is Sarah is immediately uh, criticized. Uh, and she, she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I know you can do it, right? But let's be honest here. The math isn't adding up. The science uh, isn't uh, working here. And the story of Abraham seems to be very similar, if not, almost uh, mirrors it. But Abraham isn't criticized here. Um, so the, and there are a few things to point out. One, notice that Abraham's position isn't laughter it is he is prostrated on the ground he, he it says there in verse verse 17 he is on his face by the way that is the same language in verse three of this chapter remember that that God appears to him this is a theophany or really a christophany if, if we, we've talked about before chapter 18 will be a christophany um, and uh, he is on his face here he has the same position. So after he is in this, this position, he laughs. And some try to say this is a laughter of um, doubt, sort of like Sarah's. Huh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You're making these jokes. Um, it could be of, of exhaustion. Have you ever had those moments of laughter where you thought, I can either laugh or I can cry? And I'm choosing to laugh here right? because things are getting so ridiculous. Um, or is it a laughter of joy? Right? I really believe the promise. He said he believed the promise in chapter 15. He, he affirmed that in chapter 12. Yeah, Danny? Paul says it was a laughter. It was a, it was a laugh of praise and thanksgiving. It's in Romans somewhere, chapter 4 or 5. Paul. Okay, so that's how he reads it. That's how he reads it. Okay. Well, then Paul's right. That's, 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 that's all we got to do. Um, now, one thing, we'll, we'll come back to this. Isaac, the name means to laugh. So everyone in this story is laughing. Actually, it really is everyone, as we'll see. The third thing I want you to know, is, and this will go more along with what Paul is saying, and that is that Abraham refers to Sarah by her new name. I do think that's significant because that is an act of faith. Much in that Abraham is called by his new name, which is given to him by God. So Abraham, in faith, refers to his wife by this new name. I do think that's significant in ancient Near Eastern culture. Um, but regardless, I think the reader sees this, and, and it's the reader is, is being reflected in Abraham and Sarah. This is kind of ridiculous to suggest. Yeah, Danny? If you want to read this, it's in Romans chapter 4, verse 9. four nineteen. Let me look at it real quick. Four nineteen. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. When he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, I get that justification in there. That's the point. There's justification. He believed the promise before the promise was given to him. Um, yeah, so that's good. Um, uh, but, but I want to add this footnote too. So you have Abraham laughing because he's 100, his wife's 90. Sarah laughing because she's 90 and her husband is, is 100. Um, I think we should pause there and consider the, the context of, of this. Modern people in our chronological snobbery, that's a technical term, by the way, coined by C.S. Lewis, but it is a technical term. Uh, in our chronological snobbery, we look back at the ancient people and say they were superstitious. Um, and I don't think they were superstitious. They may have been a little stitious for you office fans. But uh, thank you. I was hoping someone would get that. Um, but uh, you, you made my day, Aaron. Thank you so much. You have no idea. Um, but um, uh, what we assume is, is they saw miracles everywhere. They, they saw angels and demons and all this stuff everywhere. When you read the Bible, that's not the case at all. Abraham and Sarah laughed because they know their womb is closed. Mary later will laugh, not literally laugh, but she, she will be incredulous because she knows her womb is closed. I, you read these stories and, and it's, they say these things cannot happen. It's why the ancient world invented a word for it. Here's the word, miracle. The word miracle means it can't happen <laughs> in a nutshell. Waters don't part in Egypt unless God shows up. That's a miracle. And the only explanation is miracle. So what the ancients are saying is, apart from God showing up in a supernatural way, this is impossible. The writer of Genesis is saying, this is illogical. This is unscientific. Unless God intercedes. Same thing happens when dead people come back to life. The reason Pilate sends guards to the tomb is because the only explanation for the resurrection is theft. You put guards there, and you can't thieve a body. Because Pilate knows dead people don't come back to life. So when we read the ancient text, they're not superstitious people. They believe it's possible, but they weren't prone to see these things. Also, you need to note that in the Bible, there's not as many miracles as you think. Really think about it. There are period of miracles. Moses would be one, um, and sort of sort of that general period from Moses and Joshua, sun standing still, uh, the ten plagues, stuff like that. Elijah and Elisha would be one. There aren't a lot of like periods, of, like miracle workers, in between there. You have some, right? Um, um, Samson, you know, tearing down things, stuff like that. But for the most part, you don't have a miracle worker really showing up. Elijah and Elisha being one. Jesus and the apostles being another. Uh, you can say Jonah, but that was like one one thing. Um, and so the Bible isn't as full of miracles as, as you might think um, because we live in, in a natural world. Well, that's that's my, my little rant there. But but notice, uh, pick up verse 18. Verse uh, 18 says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now, I read this and I thought, What in the world is he talking about? It's a a weird verse, isn't it? God has promised Abraham, You will have a son with Sarah. He responds with laughter. And then he says, Oh, that Ishmael would live before you. What I think he's saying there is that this promise that you are giving me I wish it would be applied to Ishmael. There's a couple ways to read that. One, I think Abraham is is a good dad, right? I mean, he's a dad. I've got a son here who I love. Uh, Maybe the circumstances weren't ideal, and it was a big mistake I made. But we've made the best out of a bad situation. And I love the boy, and I want him to succeed and be blessed, and I want God to bless him. That makes sense. Also, did you read a part about Abraham being 100 years old? I became a father at age 24. My sister became a mother. Uh, she's 42 now. She, so she was, let's say she was around 39, 40 years old. There is a big difference between 24 and 39, 40. I am 36. And every time I coach soccer and I'm running out with, with the players or I go running, I find myself halfway through the process saying you are not 16 anymore. You're not. And, and uh, last night, our, for, for reasons that, I don't know if Vandu wants me to tell you, but she, she came and slept with us. Hasn't done that in months, maybe even a year. Just hasn't done it. Now, she'll sleep in our room. We, we had a come-to-Jesus meeting one time. So she'll sleep in our room sometimes, but, but not in our bed. But last night, she, she did. And I remember, um, you know how it works, right? Mother and baby get all the room. Daddy gets what is left. Okay, if you're lucky, the width of a pillow, if you're lucky, which means you're sleeping on your side on the edge all night. And in order for you to move, you wake up, you do this thing, and you sleep on the other side. And if you're lucky, you fall asleep. And if, when it's time to move because you can't feel your shoulder, or you do feel your shoulder, both are bad, you wake up, right? This, this, I used to have to sleep on the couch because of migraines, and I knew I wouldn't go to sleep, right? Uh, I remember thinking this morning, real tired thinking, how in the world did we do that consistently uh, when we had a toddler and an infant? I was a, a student at a seminary an hour and a half away, cross time spans, was working multiple jobs, traveling all over the state, doing them. How in the world did we do this? There's a difference between 24 and 39. There's a difference between 39, 40, and 100 when it comes to raising kids. Let's be honest. If you're in Abraham's shoes, you're thinking, I'm 100 years old. I've got a boy here who qualifies, (laughs) you know. I'm I'm sort of sympathetic to to him, right? Oh, that that, uh, Ishmael, and legally Ishmael is the promised son. Even though he is the biological son of Abraham and Hagar we've talked about, he's legally the son of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, But no, God says, no, it is going to be between you and Sarah. Verse 19 uh, says there, I can find 19. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Now, so God rejects Ishmael as the promised son, but he promises the second son uh, the covenant and names him. Notice, God names Isaac. Now in this chapter he is named Abraham and he is named Sarah. Now he will name Isaac. All right? uh, this is significant in the Bible. When God chooses the name of someone, particularly before they're born, even after it's Abraham Sarah's show, that is significant. Can you think of anyone in the New Testament whom God signs their name? Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Savior. God saves. So he will save his people from their sins. Remember that the angel tells Mary. John the Baptist is named by a God. Because you remember that it is odd for Zacharias to name John, John, because it's not a family name. Right? And, and that was unusual at this time. Much the same way, my brother is named William, my father's named William, my, my grandfather's William, and his father and his father it goes back to like mid eighteen hundreds or before William McDaniel's. Right, and it's it, it, it's odd. That's why my nephew is now William Sawyer, carry that name, because my brother's never going to have a wife or kids. Um, but he is named uh, Isaac. Isaac, as we said, means he laughs. And this is the real beauty of the story. Abraham laughs. In the next chapter, Sarah laughs. Isaac is named he laughs. And, and what you're getting in Isaac is God name, names him he laughs because every time they say Isaac, it's a reminder God gets the last laugh in the story. I love that. I love that. Abraham, you thought I was kidding. Sarah, you thought it was, it was unbelievable and a joke. Here's Isaac. God laughs. <laughs> don't you love that? Don't you, don't you love that? God laughs. By the way, that is what the Bible shows us. God mocks, he laughs at those who would, Isaiah tells us, cut down a tree, shape the wood, and put it up on a mantle and say, you are my Lord and Savior. God mocks people who do that. We get an image of Jesus who is joyful and and fun to be around because the kids want to be around him. Do you know many kids who like to be around boring, uh, uh, petty people? No, no. Exactly. Yeah. Even Andy got that one right. Right. I mean, it's it's a uh, uh, no. Kids don't like that. The key to, to to being liked by kids is to be goofy and over the top with them. You all have heard me say the same joke to kids that pretty much every kids come in here. I've probably said to your kids. How old are you? I'm six. Sixteen. Right. I'm four. Fourteen. Right. Obviously. Right. It's, you're just being goofy. The looks on their face. They want to argue with you. It's you're just being goofy with them. Right. Um. It's that, kids So kids who are drawn to Jesus Not because he is sour But because he is a person of joy um, and, and, and love Now here, here, But let me give you the real meaning of Isaac I, I hope you're sitting down Because I'm about to blow your mind Okay, You're not ready for this But I'm going to give it to you anyways Here it is Post-biblical development in, is the assigning of numerical values To the constants of Hebrew So let, let me explain that first sentence Hebrew has no vowels. This is one of the things that makes Hebrew, learning Hebrew, such a pain. We've added vowels because you speak it with vowels. You have to. But if you grew up speaking Hebrew, you didn't need the vowels. Much the same way, I could put a sentence up here um, and if I took out the vowels, you could probably figure it out. Ancient Hebrew was like that. We added vowels, and so when you study Hebrew, the vowels are symbols. A little T underneath. A little looks like an apostrophe up here, and you're reading right to left. It's Hebrew was just unbelievably complicated to me. Uh, I, I struggle with it. I just, I took five semesters of it. I just couldn't get it. Greek was bad enough. And Hebrew was awful. Um, so so way it is is that each Hebrew letter consonant has a numerical value. You you're familiar with this? In Revelation 13, uh, the number of his name is six six six. Is that Nero, you know? You've, you've heard, we talked about it in our study of Revelation. Isaac's name has four consonants. Most Hebrew words have are three consonants, but not all, of course, but Isaac has four. Some of the rabbis believe they have a mystical, symbolic meaning. The Y, this is a Yod, uh, is the number 10, stands for the Ten Trials of Abraham. Huh? You see where we're going here with this? Huh? Uh, uh, H, there's not an H, it's a it's a hay, I believe, um, is eight. It denotes the day of circumcision, right? Abraham goes through ten, tri- ten trials. Uh, Isaac is going to be circumcised on the eighth day. Everyone is circumcised on the eighth day in Jewish tradition. Uh, finally, uh, uh, Q, it's, it's not the letter, equals 100, the length of Abraham's life at this point. Have you ever heard stuff like this before? Anyone ever heard of Bible code? Good. It means you're not watching the all historical channel. Uh, there's all you can find all kinds of stuff like this. Has this is not why his name is Isaac, but this stuff is all over the Bible, all over the, uh, not the Bible, but the way people read into the Bible, um, and and was a way that some late Jewish and even Christian uh, readers go into the Bible. The Bible code is there's a secret hidden message in the Bible, but it's in a code. For example. Um, did you know that William Shakespeare translated one of the Psalms in the King James? I don't remember what Psalm. I think it's in the 90s because it has the word "shake" and "spear" in it. Blew well, your mind, didn't I? You're going to Google that when you get home. It's true. I've looked it up. All right? If you read a, any books about the translation of the King James Bible, which I recommend, it's a fascinating story. You, they'll, they'll mention that story more likely. Yeah. No, it's it's bogus. William Shakespeare did not participate in the translation of the King James Bible. And it just so happens, right? Here's the word spear. And down here's the word shake. Has nothing to do with uh, William Shakespeare, right? And there's other examples. History Channel had fun with them years ago. Um, but verse 20, notice... Uh, oh, one other thing in, in verse 19. Offspring, just to remind you of the battle of the seeds motif. That's the storyline, the main storyline of the Bible, I believe. Verse 20, as for Ishmael, no, notice that the promises made to Isaac, the second son, not to Ishmael, but that does not mean God doesn't love or care for or will not bless Ishmael. Right, that's an important point to make. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful, multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princesses, and I will make him, and I'll make him into a great nation. Now, a lot of things there, isn't it, that you should be familiar with? First of all, do you remember what the name Ishmael means? Isaac means he lasts. Remember what Ishmael means? El, you see the word El, means God. Ish, uh, Ishma, Shema means hear. It means God hears me. Read that verse again. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. As for Ishmael, I've Ishmailed you. I've heard you. The Bible is just such a good, really well-written book. I have heard you, And remember, the context is Hagar feels overlooked and unheard. And in that story of Ishmael, at the end of chapter 16, God sees her, God hears her, and God speaks to her. Right there. And remember, it's the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, I believe it is. So I have heard you, behold, I have blessed him, will make him fruitful, multiply him greatly. What does that sound like? It's the Genesis promise. The Genesis, or the creation promise given to Adam, and then given to Noah, and then given to Abraham, and now given to both Isaac and Ishmael. By the way, notice the connection between blessing and lineage. All right. Boy, that's lost in, in our world today, where we have more dogs than, than kids. Uh, he shall father twelve princesses. I think this clearly mirrors the twelve tribes of Israel. By the way, this is uh, uh, this is fulfilled in Genesis 16. Um, these are the sons of Ishmael. These are their names by their villages, the encampments, 12 princes according to their tribes. Um, and I will make him a great nation. So, a similar promise, but the promise of the woman is not given to Ishmael, it is given to Isaac. That's the point we are to see. This is the theological story of the Bible that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And here we have infertility, yet a seed is produced. From that line will come the Messiah who will crush the head of the serpent. And it's not Ishmael. It's Isaac. It's the story of Genesis uh, 3 all, all the way through. Um, and uh, I, I think we we skip it earlier. Um God promises a an exact date. You will have a son uh, by this date next year. I mean, that's exciting. At least now, now you got a timeline. Uh, verse twenty one. But I so all those things are true with Ishmael. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. That's the verse. I will. So so I've told you all how how man and I got engaged in April of one year. I said by this time next year we'll be engaged. Well, that was like the worst news my wife could have heard. Right. You know, why can't it be like now, right? Let's just get this thing over with. And I would tease her, do you think I've bought the ring? Do you think I have it? When do you think I'll do it? You know, all that sort of stuff until eventually it was uh, on Valentine's Day the next year. So she had to wait about 10 months, uh, which I think is hilarious. Um, uh, so put together verse 20 to 22 in particular. So God's going to bless Isaac uh, with a covenantal promise the Messiah, but he's still going to bless Ishmael. Right? And so he comes back to Isaac. Um, this is, in a nutshell, what what the Bible means by the doctrine of election. We're not going to explore all the issues of, of election. But when it comes to the nation of Israel, this is what the Bible means by it. There's a pattern in Scripture of the younger being served by the older. Abel and Seth um, uh, uh, is a ham that gets cursed by Noah or it's Canaan I guess um, here it's Ishmael's older but Isaac is the chosen Jacob is the younger son but Esau uh, it gets overlooked right so, so Jacob gets the promise later Joseph who is not the Yotas becomes the favorite of his father He's the one that rescues the the tribes of Israel by bringing them to to Egypt, right? Um, Moses is named son of, right? He has an older brother, Aaron, right, and Miriam, but it's Moses who comes to redeem the people. This is the pattern throughout uh, Scripture. And what God is doing is he's choosing this brother, this younger brother, for no other reason than God chooses this brother, And in fact, this is Paul's point in Romans 9. This passage I read in a theological textbook at Boyce really helped me think theologically about some of this stuff. Again, we're not going to explore all the issues of election because I'd I'd like to be here tomorrow. Uh, But it is. So Paul writes, it is not uh, as though the word of God has failed. Remember, in, in, in chapters 9 through 11, he's he's talking to Israel in particular for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. That that just because you've been circumcised or because you're biologically connected to Abraham doesn't mean you are of the promise, right? It's a matter of faith, not of lineage. Uh, And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Of course, he's quoting from Genesis. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring, Jew or Gentile. This is a big theological theme in the New Testament. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. Sound, sound familiar? Genesis 17, verse uh, 22. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad. So, so you have Isaac is chosen, and now he's saying Isaac and Rebekah get together. They have children. And he chooses Jacob. In order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. What's the works here? Esau's the Otis. Ishmael's the Otis. Cain's the Otis, right? Uh, Is it Simon is the Otis or whoever it is um, uh, of Jacob's? That is works. Election is rooted in grace. In grace, in sovereign grace, God chooses Isaac, for no other reason, but he chooses Isaac. And I can't explain anything beyond what the text says. She was told the older Esau will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. This is what's meant by election. Now, where you go with him in terms of personal salvation and stuff, we can save that for preferably a private conversation at this time. But at a collective sense, in a broader sense, this is what the Bible means by election. And it's really introduced clearly for us here that God chose Isaac. Um, By the way, the promise made that she'll get pregnant within a year is repeated at least two other times. Verse 10 of chapter 18, I will surely return to you. Remember, this is two angels and and God speaking here. Um, About this time next year, Sarah, your wife will have a son. uh, And she was listening. uh, You can imagine that, right? right? They're talking about me. She's got the cup to her ear, you know? Um, And then verse 14, is anything too hard for for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. Again, she's probably still out there, just just listening. I want to summarize verse 23 to 27 real quick um, because it's really just a summary of the chapter. Um, Verse 22, when he had finished talking with them, God went up from Abraham. Uh, Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all... Those born in his house were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of the foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. This is the act of obedience um, uh, of everything before that. Remember, circumcision is tied to the blessing of children. And we, we spent a whole week on, on circumcision. I think I forgot to put it up there. Oh, no, I did. Here's how the last four or five verses are broken down. Uh, I love it whenever I find these in the Bible. Okay? So it opens up with the same thing it concludes, which makes it an emphasis, but makes what's in the middle important. So you get the circumcision act. He circumcised everybody. Oh, by the way, this is how old everyone is. No, just to remind you, everyone was circumcised. Um, it's beautiful writing. Uh, the more I read the Bible, the more I see these things, the more more impressed I am with what the Bible is and what the Bible accomplishes. Um, it really is a classic, a literary classic in that sense. It's um, why I love Beowulf. You could do same sort of stuff with, with Beowulf and um, Christmas Carol has some of this sort of stuff. It's really fascinating. So A lot of your, your classics do this. Oh, that's, that's everything I got. What else do you guys see? Danny, I miss anything? I, I just talked about a couple of other things. I just said that the, this situation that uh, Abraham and Sarah didn't have her child until he got to the right attitude and the right position with yeah. God. But it's a picture of salvation is what it is. Mm-hmm. old people their reproductive systems were dead. Yeah. They really were. It was a miracle that baby was born. And it, and it was dead. Reproductive systems came alive. It's resurrection. Yeah. Creation. Uh, re- redemption is creation. It is resurrection. You're, you're exactly right. Miracles happen in the Bible at moments of desperation. They're, they're, they're never planned for or called for. It's the woman who says if I just touch him. Right? I've been to every doctor. I've had every tuss, test. I've tried every experience. If I just touch him, I'm desperate. He's my only hope. Here's Abraham and Sarah and said, look, our, the only way this is going to happen is if God you do it. And that's the context of the miracle. And then that's the context of faith. Right? There is no plan B for Abraham and Sarah. Either God raises the dead, in this case a wound, um, or the promise will not be fulfilled. By the way, that is what he does in the heart of every human. Right? Uh, Salvation only comes when we are desperate for redemption. And sanctification only comes whenever we are desperate. Desperate for Anything else? It's a great text. Chapter 18, we'll start the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Um, so that'll be fun. fun. So come and bring your salty snacks. All right. Uh, I'll, we'll ask around can we have chips in the sanctuary when we're talking about? The pillar assault. I don't know what the rules are on that, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, if nothing else. Um